Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Friday episode of the show. We are brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one spot for all of the sports betting action. And look, football might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach is getting fired and they're going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website. You can also use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online has hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. It is the best in the business, and they even have those Vegas casino games. So head on over. It is truly your number one online wagering destination. Bet online is where the game starts. Okay, guys. Uh, Draft Network here in Indianapolis for the 2022 NFL Combine, and we are going to be making some adjustments before the athletic testing starts just to make sure that we are giving an accurate reflection of, of where we really believe a lot of these prospects stand uh, entering into the week. Uh, the last time we did a TD and 100 update, we got an update to, to the top uh, two days of, of the draft. Uh, but the all-star events uh, have come and gone, and, and it's going to be a little bit before we get into cross-checks and the deeper portions of the draft. So uh, we do want to make sure we provide our due diligence to the depth of the class and kind of be thorough with the big picture for the entirety of the class. So um, I guess I would open the floor to you guys for any players that have been you've been turned on to throughout the course of the last month or so. Um, guys that came on late, guys that showed out at an all-star event that you think it's important for us to, to follow up on and make sure we update their rankings versus kind of your initial impressions. Not all at once, please. I, I'll go, and I'll go with probably the most imp- – well, one of the most impressive players at the Senior Bowl, and that was defensive tackle from UConn, Travis Jones. Um, I think that we had a good grade on him initially, but I, I think that he really elevated his stock when he's able to show this ability to anchor and also mm-hmm. um, get after the quarterback as an interior defensive lineman. And we know how rare that is. So I think he's a guy that has a lot of value when we talk about um, end of the first round, early second round. He's definitely a player that made him some money, and I'm, exce- I'm excited to see him um, continue to elevate his stock through this draft process. And let me, let me piggyback off that idea with some names uh, that did get bumps after Senior Bowl week because we did sit down and do the, the debrief, uh, especially versus our, our regional grades that we know, some scouts know, already know that that regional grade is going to get an adjustment based right. off of what they've already showed. guy like Devontae Wyatt from Georgia, who Brentley did, uh, really impressed at the Senior Bowl, I know, through watching Jordan Davis – a couple of us have already seen him and, and watching Trayvon Walker. Uh, Wyatt, I know, Joe, you feel is, is the top interior defensive lineman in this year's class. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a rare athlete too. I mean, uh, I think he's going to test through the roof. There's some reports of him being like a 4'8"-ish type player with a mid-30 vert. like At 3'10". And it shows up on tape too. I mean, this guy tracked down Bryce Young, uh, chasing him in pursuit, and he's really flexible and – I mean, there are times where they ask him to spy the quarterback because he's just that type of athlete at three ten. So I think he's, I think he's, to, to me, he's definitely the top defensive tackle. So Perion Winfrey's another D tackle that got a big bump for us, and he obviously played on the nose at Oklahoma, and then yeah. got to the Senior Bowl in thirty five and a half inch arms, and uh, really, really looked disruptive up front. So I think there's some positional versatility there. I'm going to rip through a couple other names: uh, Jalen Petrie uh, from Baylor. Had a phenomenal week in Mobile, uh, and he's already gotten a boost as far as projecting a grade for him. We know we're going to get to him in cross-checks here in a couple weeks, but that's already been projected on the the front end of the website. Um, 
Travis Jones, who, who Keith, you mentioned, Boye Mafe was a guy I had given a high three to. I'm too low. I already know I'm too low. So that, that's reflected in a projection for him. Uh, he's risen a little bit as well. Um, Got a name, Kyle. Go ahead. I think I think Greg Dulcich is a player that we should look at for That's a, a, a bump too. tight end from UCLA. I, I think, think we originally got out of regionals with a early five. Yeah, I, I think um, his our certainly my eyes have been open to him. I I didn't see much of him during the season, but at the Senior Bowl you saw that in in a in a stacked group at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. I thought he really really popped and is in that conversation to be the first tight end off the board, and so. I think that's probably a player that deserves some some day two love mid, you know, maybe even mid-second round, something like that. And Dulcich, on our current projection for him, because we did bump him coming out of Mobile, is, is 87th. So we do have him as a top 100 projection right now. And he's, I think, led the Pac-12 for receiving yards in tight, amongst tight ends for the last two years. So yeah. production's been there for him. It's just a question of how he projects. I think I think that the thing that is uh, that is far more, uh, that is most intriguing about him is that he did this with inconsistent quarterback play, right? And um, I think the sky's the, the limit in terms of what he can do and what type of athlete he, he is. And uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see how well he plays with uh, with a little bit more consistent play um, at the uh, at the quarterback um, position. Where's everybody at with Brian Robinson? Oh man. Because I, I know we, Jordan Reed didn't like him when he yeah. was here, and I know Keith got through current yeah. regional checks, and he didn't like him. But uh, I know <laughs> he had a productive year, and he was kind of the guy this year. Yeah. And he looked good in Mobile. He looked the part. He's big, rocked up dude. And, but did he? When, when what I'm talking about, not not as yeah. far as physically, but yeah. did he stand out? Like when we're talking about an Alabama SEC caliber Let's running be back. Fair, he's a running back at an All Star event. But, How's he supposed to okay, stand out? If I say Damian Pierce, did he stand out in pass pro? Sure, that's what I'm saying. Like so, he had the opportunity to stand out. I think he's a good football player, but I think traditionally we're talking about SEC running backs and those guys going in top three rounds. I don't think he's necessarily that. I think he's a productive back and the right scheme that's that's what i seen on film he's a he will be a good football player you're gonna make me go pull up the grade okay yeah we can pull it up we can pull it up (laughs) i i'll tell you what though we we've done a lot of cross checks on bama players whether that's evan neal or or the two receivers mechie and um and williams and obviously i enjoyed watching their tape but i really my eyes kept going to brian robinson just seeing the way that he takes on contact and finds space and he's got some juice for a guy that's as big as he is and I don't know. I think about some of these third-round running backs, whether that's Keyshawn Vaughn or, or Zach Moss. And I don't give know, me Brian man. over both yeah, those dudes. Give me, give me Brian. The, we had a, a 71 for him in regional grades, which is a, a mid-five. Yeah. Early day three. Can we get him up a little bit? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about giving and take a point or two, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and then that now he's in the fourth round. Um, but I think he was a product of, of that offensive line. We're talking about mm-hmm. Evan Neal, who's the number one, possibly number one offensive tackle, number one player picked in his draft. You have Emil Ikeyo, who's another top player, and then just the, um, the number of five-star guys that Alabama plays in. So he has to play in a good scheme. So you think about a team like the Dallas Cowboys who played downhill, but I wouldn't dare put them with the Chicago Bears. Right. So right. he's a very scheme-specific player. But I do believe he will be productive in the NFL. Um, a name that, that's popping to me, because I've kind of scrolled through the guys that got the projected bump coming out of the All-Star events, but a guy that didn't get a bump going the other way, who I thought did not showcase himself particularly well, was Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle from Louisiana. Yeah, I, and I guess I'll go ahead and take it because he was in my region. And yeah. I initially had a good grade on him, and that was because I seen the athleticism, and then I also had concerns about him being able to hold up against, um, you know, top competition. But over the past two years, they played against Iowa State and Texas, which isn't – they aren't known for being great in the trenches, but he held up enough. And so I was I was hopeful on him. But seeing mm-hmm. him down in the senior bowl, he, it, was, it was tough, man. He was physically outmatched. Um, speed overwhelmed him, so he's a – guy that I think will have to drop tremendously because he, he he's a work in progress um, for the athleticism that he had um, the strength at the point of attack was just not there and he he just didn't hold up. That's a Jason Spriggs type player if you guys remember him out of Indiana mm-hmm. a couple years ago and really sweet feet athletic build not real dense in the lower half but 
He gave up a lot of stuff inside, and he really struggled with functional strength. He goes to Green Bay in the second round. He ends up kicking inside to guard, mostly trying to just find a landing spot and never really pushed his way into the starting lineup. And, you know, they, they've kind of played musical chairs on some of those inside spots over the last couple of years. Got another name. Okay. I think, I think in the bump conversation. And up or down? Up. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess bump can go either way, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, Tariq Wollin, UTSA. Um, I just, you guys have heard me say a lot throughout this process, bet on traits, bet on traits, and, and Tariq Woolen's got all of the traits, right? Length, he's got good size, he's explosive. Um, I expect him to put on a show when the DBs test in a couple of days. And, um, you know, DBs a lot of times that's a stopwatch position, but, you know, maybe the tape's a little uneven, but we're talking about a converted wide receiver that doesn't have a ton of time on task at at corner, and I just think there's so much room for upward mobility, and I don't know. Like to, to me, he's a player that's worth betting on a little bit sooner than maybe the tape warrants because of the upside that comes from more experience and also just physically he's completely exceptional. I, I think that, uh, that, uh, that I've heard a ton about him, and he's certainly getting some buzz, and um, – um, I'm really looking forward to dive into his tape, but I know as far as um, the skill skill guys go, I mean, you always uh, um, these guys who have uh, traits and length and speed and so forth. I, I mean, like I think they put themselves in a much better p p position to have success. So it's going to be a uh, be good to dive into his tape. So I, I would stand on that topic when we're talking about big corners, right? Because what Tyreek is listed at six three, six four, something like that. Six three, yeah. Yes, it's really long corner, and I know that you're really high on Sauce Gardner. So, um, how do you compare the two? Just because I know yeah. from a measurable standpoint, they're probably very similar, but just skill set wise, because one is you're talking about being a number one corner off the board, and then yeah. one is a day two pick. So, how do they compare? Well, you have in Sauce, you have a guy that is a, a true freshman starter for Cincinnati. He winds up starting for three years and didn't give, give up anything, really. I mean, just in coverage, he was a dominant player for three seasons and got better and better every single year. And there's just a lot more instincts that have come because of reps, right, that, right. that exist. And um, that's a good defensive unit. And I think it's easy for him to do his 111th a little bit in, in, that, in that group. Where UTSA, I think defensively, they took a big step this year. But – um, you know, it's, it was probably a little bit more on his plate in terms of converting over from wide receiver, and so that the tape is more uneven. But I think, I think if it all comes together for Woolen, I mean, he's got more athleticism than Sauce, and I'm pretty high on the athletic profile for Sauce. So, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I think they're both really high upside players, but one has it right now instinctively, one doesn't, but one has the athleticism that I don't think there's going to be many guys in this class that can match. I want to get into the, the deeper portions here and some guys that we don't even currently have ranked with grades um, because they were guys that we didn't get to originally in our process and we know we're going to have to circle back on. Uh, Keontae Ingram, the running back from USC, who was out at the Shrine. Uh, Joe, he was somebody who caught our eye when he was out there. And, and Dre, you're nodding your head. So um, what can you tell us? You do have a write-up on him. Uh, what can you tell us about Keontae Ingram as a player? Yeah, I think he's, uh, I think he's someone, you know, who showed that he can have three-down value. Um, I think he's good between, uh, good between the tackles. He runs with great feet, um, vision, uh, has good instincts. Um, I think that he was in a rotation during his time there. Um, so, uh, but he's certainly someone who has talent, and uh, it is going to be interesting to see how his uh, how his postseason um, goes. How would you would you rather have him or Britton Brown as another Pac-12 back? I think I'd rather have Keontae Ingram. Okay, that's yeah. good context for me as I'm I'm kind of putting him into a new spot sure. in the later rounds to put him over top of Ingram or to put him over top of Britton Brown. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. I think a guy that I am a little too low on, um, and he was at the Shrine as well as Ali Fayad, the edge defender from uh, Western Michigan. Uh, he's 
upon further review, got a little bit more dynamic play as far as a pass rusher and his skill set than what I anticipated or what I saw in the three games that I originally sampled for him. Um, and, and some of that, as I'm reflecting on when I did the watch, might have come down to I tried to watch him against the best competition, but that means they're getting run on a lot late in games because right. they're they're chasing the game. So he can't run first they, Right, so you, you couldn't see that dynamic of his game. So I think that's a, a – a contextual bit of when I originally went to watch him that I think I did him a, a bit of a disservice. Uh, what about Josh Williams from Fayetteville yeah, State? I was sitting I mean, here waiting for the next yep, pause to get yep. into Josh. This is this is a player who we, we had top 200. Yeah. Um, obviously, Fayetteville State, we didn't get a great look at him before the All-Star event, but 6'2 and a half at 197 pounds with a lot of length. And speed, right? He can run, and he's super, super physical. And, and the challenge with, with Josh when watching him, because uh, I did him just before the Senior Bowl, so we'd have a write-up on him. And <laughs> you watch him at Faithful State, and just nobody gets off the line. It's just like, okay, you're capped. It's over with. That's it. You're done. You're, you're playing offense with 10 guys, right? <laughs> and it's just kind of tough to project that um, uh, to covering better players, right? It just wasn't a great – test for him but the senior bowl was and i thought he showed that he belonged and obviously the skill and physical skill there is really really interesting really one of the highest guys on the gps tracking and he's super super physical and, and you know corners like this i mean they don't last that long you know so i think he's worthy of a bump and kyle i'll bring up another small school guy that i was kind of waiting for the senior bowl to see them against better competition is matt well let's go from north dakota Regular North Dakota. Dude, pop big time. Yeah, and he measured well, too. Like He's 310. 6'5", 310. With long arms, I think 35, maybe mm -hmm. more. And he and he, he was playing through something this week, too. Or that, that yeah. week. He was playing through an injury that week. <clears throat> I think it was a shoulder. Good, intriguing tackles with length. It, you know, have good all-star game showings. They don't, they don't last either. Man, uh, <laughs> some of the pass sets he was taking against, I think it was the Penn State. Yeah. Uh, Ebicady. Handle, oh. Handling his speed mm -hmm. was real, really impressive. Uh, so he had originally gotten a bit of a bump. Uh, to, he's in the mid-150s yeah. right now as a projection as a fifth-round guy. But, you know, as, as we're, we're here in Indianapolis and we're, we're stacking our, our actual physical draft board this week and you kind of get a chance to look at the offensive tackles, we, we've talked a lot about this tackle group, but I do think it is pretty eye-opening that we've got two guys with top 10 overall valuations in Evan Neal and Iki Aquanu, and then we got Charles Cross and Trevor Penning as first-round guys. Right now, we only have one projected second-round value after that, and it's yeah. Daniel Falele. You know, it's Tyler Smith. Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? We don't really know. Jamari Salyer played tackle at Georgia, but we project him inside as a guard. Mm -hmm. uh, Darian Kennard we're projecting as a tweener who's probably best suited based on his movement skills that we saw on tape as a guard. Mm -hmm. So the, the tackle group really hollowed out really quick. And then only two guys that we gave third-round valuations to in Bernhard Raymond from Central Michigan, who's only played tackle for three, two seasons. This, this, his first NFL season will be his third season playing tackle. Uh, and then the other one, his name is escaping me right now. Anybody for think of a tackle I'm leaving out? Uh, Washington State kid. So no. he, we gave him an early two. I'm sorry, a, a um, Three. an early four. So he's right on the outside looking in. It was um, Petit Freer from Ohio State who we gave a three to as well. So for the top of the tackle class, it's really good. Right. But they might all be gone by 15. Yeah. And then what are you going to do? So, teams that need tackles, guys like small school guys like Braxton Jones from Southern Utah, big time tools guy. Guys like Matt Willetsko from North Dakota State, like they might get drafted earlier in round four because they're super toolsy and that demand is going to be there. Yeah. I agree. Might, might need to consider Jalen Weidermeyer as a down guy just based on where he's sitting right now. Um, we we have him in the fifties coming yeah, into the week, which I don't think any of us are there. Um, you like the size, but he doesn't he doesn't block like that, right? For a two hundred sixty pound tight end, and I, I mean, looks like Tarzan, right? Where's the separation quickness? Like, what is what is the real appeal here in the passing game? 
Yeah, we um we talked about this and I kind of wrote about this too that I think he's a guy that has a lot to lose at the combine just because I mean the combine essentially is about two things team meetings and the numbers you put up and I don't project that he'll put up great numbers overall so um, it's just be a matter of teams if they they value the film and what he puts on film or if they value the testing numbers but he's definitely a guy that can drop um, throughout the back half of this draft process. Reviewing some other guys, I think Andrew Stuber somebody who I think probably got over-projected from my standpoint because he got the mobile and he played exclusively guard. Didn't expect that, right? He did right? not play a single yeah. ta- snap at tackle, and he was the right tackle for University of Michigan. Hmm. And if you're going to take a guy who is like a legit 6'6", 340 pounds, with a reasonable amount of length, and he's going to play inside at guard – you, know, you introduce a whole different set of concerns as far as his ability to avoid getting beat across his face and movement skills. Sure. Uh, that kind of showcased itself a little bit when you watched him in Mobile. So uh, Stuber's a guy I think is probably worth a little bit of a drop down as well as a couple of hybrid linebacker safety types who I don't believe either one of these guys got combine invites in Sterling Weatherford and Reed Blankenship. Hmm. No, they're, they're, how, how do we value – the fact that some of these guys that we had in the the 100s, Gene DeLance, Reed Blankenship, they didn't get combine invites at all. The league usually tells you what they think on these guys. Mm-hmm. Is there something we don't know? Like, how, how do we want to value that and weigh that out? I think the thing about Reed is uh, he's someone who's not necessarily a great athlete. He's physical. He's a great, uh, great tackler. I think he's someone who will be your fourth safety, third, fourth safety a mm-hmm. core teamer who play on every special team. I mean, I think that there's still value for guys, um, guys like that on day three um, of the draft. So um, even without the combine uh, combine invitation, I still see him going fifth, sixth round. Which is good. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. And if he goes in the sixth, somebody's going to look around and say, damn, we should draft this kid in the, the late fourth round. Right. <laughs> like, as you said, that special teams value, like, he's an adequate athlete. Once upon a time, he was on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Like, he, he's not a slouch. He's just not super dynamic, and he's an older prospect. I think he's been Middle Tennessee State for six years now. <laughs> so, and he's on the Van Wilder plan, unfortunately. <laughs> what about Garrett Prince, uh, the yeah. tight end from UAB? I was stunned to see him. Dude, left he had 10 touchdowns and average over 19 yards of catch this year and like, his first ever opportunity to, like, have a featured role and. He made some big-time plays, man, but didn't get the call. Yeah, he, he was a guy, we also talking about that article that we wrote about. I, I thought he's a guy that had <clears throat> the most to gain. Oh uh, No, he's a snub. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I wrote about him as a snub because I thought he's very productive on the football field. Like, they did multiple things with him. They lined him up in a the slot. They put him at age back. They put him in motion. They let him lead block. And then he, he's has, he has a vertical threat element to him. Now, mind you, he did it against, I guess you would say, lesser competition, but – that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You only can play who you can play, and he dominated that competition. So um, I thought I had a pretty good grade on him. Um, and he's a guy that I think once teams watch the film, he, he, I think he can be your second tight end, and you could do some multiple things with him. Joe, what about Alec Pierce from Cincinnati? It's a guy who I know you liked when you watched originally, and he was at Mobile and had a chance to showcase himself. And I know we, we've kind of looked at this wide receiver class, and I know over there on the on – the draft board, we got 10 wide receivers with second-round valuations. Yeah. And uh, I know we originally had him projected with a three. I don't know that you're there now. Yeah, I, I think Alec Pierce is, is definitely a player I'm still interested in, and there's a lot of big play potential there. I mean, he's pushing – he's, what, 6'2", maybe a little over 6'2", mm-hmm. 210 pounds. He's going to run, like, low four fours. He's going to jump out of the building. There's an explosiveness factor that exists with him, and he's been productive. I mean, a big play guy – I think he averaged over 17 yards a catch at Cincinnati. There's a lot to like there, but where you maybe get a little bit concerned is that our last two exposures to him weren't very good, whether it was the Mm -hmm. Alabama playoff game and the Senior Bowl, where you just kind of felt like that would be a great place for him to stand out and really use that appealing physical profile to make more plays and stand out more in practices, and that just didn't happen. So I – I think it's fair to say that I'm still interested in Alec Pierce, but again, it's it's those last two exposures 
didn't move the needle or, or really maintain the needle. How about Velas Jones from Tennessee? He's such an interesting player. He's an older guy, too. I think he might be like 25 or 26. You comped him to Ray Ray McLeod in game of six originally. Yeah, and that's a good comp, by the way. Uh, so if you if you think about if you think about Ray Ray McLeod and, and how he was used at Clemson, it's very very similar to uh, Valus Jones, who definitely was terrific. I mean, literally terrific at, mm-hmm. at the Senior Bowl. And I was like, wow, I didn't see any of that at Tennessee. Which I mean, it's it's uh, what's their coach's name? What's that guy's name? Come on. The head coach of Tennessee. Uh, Josh Heupel. Josh, yes, Heupel. Heupel. Right, so, like, you guys saw him at UCF. You saw that offense. That, that, those receivers aren't asked to do nothing. It's go balls and out routes, right? Like, right. And that's all you saw from him. And, and obviously, very, very uneven quarterback play there. So, it wasn't – and I think he was probably their third best receiver, to be honest with you. So, um, it wasn't a great showcase for him. He's an older prospect. And, and, but – the speed that he showed at the Senior Bowl was what really caught me by surprise, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So he, he's, he's, he's gained my interest for sure. Him and Bo Melton, who yeah. I wasn't crazy about on film, a uh, redshirt senior from Rutgers. Uh, I had comped him to Leonte Carew, uh, another Rutgers receiver that was drafted in the third round in kind of the same role. And, you know, you manufacture in some touches. He can play in the slot. And he had a terrible first day at the Senior Bowl. Couldn't catch a cold. Well, then the, the next two days, the switch flipped, and he was a totally different player. And I thought he really helped himself down the stretch. Uh, Dre, I want to ask you about a tight end who we saw in Mobile. And uh, even from a body type perspective, I, I didn't think he stood out in a good way. He looked like a wide receiver. Cole Turner from Nevada. So, obviously, air raid offense, that – offensive approach is unique and you know there's some transitional stuff that carries over to the NFL but there's also some stuff in that offense that does not carry over to the NFL and I was just kind of curious if you reflect on what you watched when you regionally watched Cole Turner uh, who we originally had as like a 4-5 as a valuation his build scares the hell out of me first of all and I, th- I think about some of these other tight ends in this class, and it's just that numbers game feels like he might end up being a slider. Yeah. yeah. I think Cole, um, I think that the value with him is the versatility. I mean, a guy that's played H, he's played F. Um, I don't think you want him at Y. I don't think he's a good inline guy, but it's certainly proven to be able to uh, make contributions in the passing game, right? And that's kind of where he – his value is right your third tight end you know a guy that can um do a number of different things for you play core teams and that's kind of uh where he is he's probably best flexed out um and certainly not somebody that you like to align as an inline y uh very much um but he is a a player that has some skill uh, he's not very big. Um, he has some. T- 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 um, he has some talent, and definitely can, can make some uh, make some contributions in the passing game. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing, and that's what NordVPN is here for to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to make sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online. Stay secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. And with NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at just under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenience 
convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. So I'm I'm a... uh... I'm going to go next, and I'm going to talk about another guy that was at the Senior Bowl, and that'll be tight end from Coastal Carolina, Isaiah Likely. I think originally I gave him a fourth-round grade, and that was because of the things that I didn't see. And much like Joe talked about with Vilas Jones, I think he was a product of his environment. He's a product of the offense, right, to where he ran a lot of vertical routes to where it was just, you know, him running away from um, sunbelt safety, sunbelt linebackers to where you had that question, like, okay, can he run um, the route tree, right? Can he get – separation on routes that's just not vertical pushing routes and at the senior bowl he showed that against good yeah. competition um he, he ran multiple routes I think he was with the Jets team I believe um and he he, he just showcased a really good skill set so I don't know if he's going to run a 4-5 or a 4-7 but he showed the ability to create separation and on film what I've seen is that he can line up in the slide and he's a natural hands catcher so he's a guy that I project I will increase my grade on him because he showed he can do multiple things I'd expect he's in the four fives the four fives yep. okay. well yeah he's definitely yeah, getting, <laughs> yeah. He's so definitely getting elevated. my guy's uh 6'4 we heard he's going bench well too. When we, I mean, we had some conversations out in Las Vegas for the Shrine, and and was talking to some folks about his his preparations, and we heard he's going to bench well. We heard he's going to run well. He's a very explosive athlete, and you know, everybody's going to look at Kyle Pitts, right? That's right. the the logical comparison, whether it's fair or not, to Isaiah. You see plenty of other flex tight ends and and guys who are big slots, uh, but if you're two forty and you're running in the four fives and you're explosive. And Kyle Pitts is coming off the year that he just had. Inevitably, everybody's going to point to that. Well, I, if I wanted to bring up another player, please here, do. And I know that Keith recently watched him. It's Brian Cook, safety from Cincinnati. And I'm not pounding the table for a massive bump here, but I, I think there's a lot to like here. He's got good size, and he's a really, really good tackler. And and don't confuse it as a guy that has to play in the box you know I didn't say that like you say oh really good tackling safety you you automatically have these connotations that come like oh well can he cover yeah I mean I think he can and and what's interesting about Cook is that he did get opportunities to play deep he played split zones he played in the slot Um, I think there's just what he needs is more time of playing the position because this is his first year as a starter he you know Wiggins and, and the other safety from uh, Derek Forrest, right? Those guys were kind of entrenched there as, yeah. as the starters, and he kind of got his first chance to play this year. And, and the safety play at Cincinnati was good this year. And I, I thought his ability to just kind of trigger, play downhill, tackle, show some good athleticism. I think he's got room to grow in coverage, but um, just kind of based on where we have him, I think I think there's more of a of, of an appeal for a developmental starter here than all right, a, a guy that you say, okay, this is a depth safety and core teams player. I think there's developmental starter appeal there. I get to ask everybody a question. And everybody's seen this player to some degree because he was a, a big thing for a while, and then he ended up coming back to school, and then we kind of fell off on him. And, Joe, I know you passed off doing the eval on this guy because you're like oh, somebody else. Yes. Yeah. He's like somebody Brentley, else has to watch Brentley. this dude. <laughs> so Bre- get Brentley on the so phone. Brentley took him, and Brentley wrote him up. And then you come into the senior bowl and you see his measurements and you're like, mm, like he's really tiny. But then throughout the course of the week, yeah. they let him play off the ball. Yeah. And he looked really good in that role, like very quick, very fluid. So, Joe, I know you've seen plenty of <laughs> Western Kentucky pass rusher D'Angelo Malone. Yeah. What do, we, what do you do with him and his skill set? Because I know you've, you've been – following this path yeah. for a couple of years now. Yeah, he's made a ton of plays, man. I think he was the, the conference defensive player of the year a couple of years ago, and, and he played against Mikai Becton and, and played well against him. So there's there's a lot of good with D'Angelo Malone. He's, what's hard for, for that evaluation, it's all projection, right? Because you watch, even at Western Kentucky, he's not a guy that's going to hold up in the trenches against the run, which is a pretty fair thing to expect given his, his build. But when you start to think about getting him more of an off-ball role, um, 
because he can convert speed to power. I mean, there's no question about mm-hmm. that. He's got to – I think he has to embrace a role like a Hassan Reddick. And, and that sounds good. Everyone might perk up when you say that. But there's not a lot of guys that embrace that and have success. So we have to be honest about that. But the good news is, is there is a blueprint. I think he's a hungry football player. I mean, he, he you can just watch him play, and there's a lot of urgency there that's likable. But if you're going to ask him to be a 3-4 outside linebacker, or, or you know, that's that might not be for him. It's, it's kind of a – he's kind of a unique player that you have to have a plan for, but – um, man, he showcased himself very, very well at Senior Bowl. Dre, I want to ask you a question. What's the ceiling for Chad Muma from Wyoming? You know, what we reflect on, obviously, his skill set as a bigger backer who's got a lot of fundamental teach tape. He's very um, technical with his approach to the game, playing at Wyoming, and he showcased himself well in, in Mobile. So in this linebacker group that has – a fair amount of guys. You know, I think we, we when we were creating the player cards for the the physical board we're doing here, we ended up having like twelve as potential like day one or day two linebackers, at least candidates from a valuation perspective, not necessarily predictively where they'll get drafted. But if you put Chad Muma into that bucket, what do you think the ceiling is for him as a player? I think that Chad is someone who can certainly become a starter. By year two, um, I think Chad is someone who does a lot of things well. Um, he's proven he, he can play on three downs. Um, I think uh, the senior uh, the, the senior bowl weeks certainly helped his cause some, um, but there really isn't anything he can't do. Just not a great athlete, um, but certainly someone who's solid. He's a great tackler who, who will be a core teamer. He's smart and he plays with extreme effort plays extremely hard. So I do think that this is somebody that can grow into a starter uh, by year two. The the parallels with him and Logan Wilson is fascinating right. out of the same school. Right. Because Logan's 6'2", 240, and Chad's 6'3", 240, 245. Logan was drafted with the first pick in the third round in 2020. He was not a star. He started two games in 2020, and he started every game he played in year two, like Dre was just talking about. There's ball production. He's got six career interceptions and seven career passes defensed already. He had 100 tackles last year. Very active player in year two. So, Dre, I hear you talk about a year two projection for Chad Muma, and I look at there's a very recent case study of a guy from the same school drafted in the same range with a similar athletic profile. I don't see any reason why he can't follow that exact same trajectory. But in this linebacker class, I think it's interesting because we got a lot of guys that are kind of more specialized players. And you, you got big th- physical thumpers like Beavers and Damon Clark and you know Quay Walker and Leo Chennault. Like those guys aren't the versatile or versatile players that Muma is. Then you got undersized guys like, and I didn't even mention Devin Lloyd. And then you got you know undersized guys like. Nicobe Dean and Jojo Doman and Brian Asamoah, and these guys are playing in the 220s. And I, I think there's something to be said for Chad Muma is kind of in between those two. And, and I think he gives you more well-rounded skill set. Yeah, I think um, I think Chad is someone, too, you know, has shown that he'll be a great fit in either a 4-3 scheme or a 3-4 scheme. Um, I think he has some some skills. Uh, uh, his scheme, uh, scheme versatile in that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he he offers value um, in his uh, uh, ability to play both in the even and the high front scheme. Joe, I want to ask you about Damian Pearson. We already know he's getting a bump, but kind of the same question I asked Joe as it pertains to – or asked Ray as it pertains to Muma – and stacking him in this group. Oh, you, you take Damian Pearson, you think about these late day two, early day three type backs, the James Cooks of the world, the Kyron Williamses of the world, if you want to drop him down into that range, Jerome Ford, Rashad White, Tyler Algier, Tyler Beatty, Ty Chandler, Hassan Haskins, Brian Robinson. Like, how, how do you – look at Damian, because I know when you originally did him, you came out and you were like, man, I wish I had more tape. And that was the exact same thing. Him we, too. Yeah. <laughs> we said that to Damian. He was like, 
yeah, me too. Like, wait, <laughs> I wish I had more carries too. But um, how do you, having seen him in an all-star setting, and Keith was very quick to throw Brian Robinson under the bus and say, well, Damian Pierce popped. I don't know about Brian Robinson. But he popped big time yeah. for a number of different reasons. What does that do for you when you stack him against his peers in this same projection and range? Yeah, he, he definitely popped. Um, and he popped every time he got a chance to touch the football at Florida. You just wanted more. And he, we had an awesome, awesome conversation with him. I bet on that kid any day of the week. Yeah. It, man, we, and the thing is we've done a lot of interviews this cycle, and his just stood out amongst all of them. And so you just feel like this is a guy that if you were to meet, there's no doubt you'd want him to be in your building and, and give him an opportunity. And so – I mean, I think he, there's a lot of rumblings about how he's going to test extremely well. And we saw we saw a really athletic player at, at the Senior Bowl. It's super physical, and he has that ability to pass block. So I guess the question here is where do you stack him? And I think he's right there in the mix to be like late three, early four, you know, type player. Well, let's, let's play the game because I got the list here. Okay. Okay. So Kenneth Walker. You think he's going to stay above him? Yeah, I think Kenneth Walker's above him. Isaiah, I mean, we're going to do all. Spiller, Isaiah yeah. Spiller. Kyron Williams. Yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with Kyron and what he brings. I think Kyron gives you a little bit more yeah. in the passing game. Catching and the ball. he's just as good of a pass pro yeah. guy, which is crazy because he's not as big as Damian. Yeah. Uh, James Cook. Such a unique player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Cook stays above him. Brees Hall. <laughs> which we... Keith, you and I just watched, and, and Dre, you were flying in, uh, but we watched him on Tuesday a little bit. We watched two games to try and get a feel because obviously he's he's a name that yeah. a lot of subsections of the football community continue yeah. to to kind of beat the drum on. I don't yeah. think any of us saw him. It, if the scenario here is I'm stacking a board and I'm in complete control of it, I would rather have Damian Pierce every time over Brees Hall. A big That's being us, intellectually honest with the way I feel about those two football players. Yep. And I would not disagree with you. Yeah. I don't think you're alone in that. And you did you did Brees Hall. Yeah, I did him. And, and you didn't like him when you did him. No, nah, I didn't. And I, when we rewatched him, I didn't care for him neither. Um, and I don't want to say not like. That's kind of harsh, right? It is. Um, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just say appropriate grade, right? You know, we have to draft him appropriately. Um, but I, I would definitely take Damian Pierce over Brees Hall. Um, I, you know, we talk about pass protection. Like, that. that's a very valuable thing. Like, the more the quarterbacks drop back, the more they become a passing league, the um, more it's important that you're – running back can pass protect. And he's also a guy that you can hand the football off to. Joe, I know when you initially talked about him, you talked about his ability just to break tackles and he was just a naturally, um, you know, just instinctive runner. Like, and, and that's something that you can't teach. I think running back is one of the positions that is very hard to coach. I think as a running back, you either have it or you're not when it comes to vision, instincts, and ability to break tackles. And Damian Pierce has all of them. I think it's just a lack of um, him getting touches. We'll have to ask Dan Mullen why they didn't hand the football off to Damian Pierce more. Every Florida Gators fan in America is wondering <laughs> the same thing, my guy. I, um, I can't help but smile because when we went out to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl, we talked to Ricky Williams, mm-hmm. and we asked him about evaluating the running back position. And Ricky was talking about oh, there's some things that you can, can coach and develop, and then there's some things that you can't. Yep. And it would just take too long to develop it mm-hmm. if you don't have it. And I think about us watching Brees and trying him trying to anticipate flow and penetration and, and backfield or the backdoor alleys and when they're there and when they're not. And I just didn't see that feel yeah. for it. And when it's when it's blocked up right, it looks beautiful, right? And there were a couple of plays where he did flash the ability to string some moves together and create missed tackles, specifically the one play against Texas, that we're all like, ooh, yeah, put that on, on SportsCenter, right? right, da, right, da, right. Da, da, da. But <laughs> we also got through that play and we're like, that's just as much bad tackling by Texas as, as it, it was Brees creating for himself. So, um, and, and we also talked to guys like, uh, uh, we talked to Aaron Jones, 
Elijah Mitchell. We talked to Elijah Mitchell, and they all talked about anticipation. They all talked about instincts, and they all talked about pass pro. And they all talked about the value of protecting the football and protecting your quarterback. And I think for us, you know, we're going to be a subsection and a sub-brand of this space that probably values those things more than, than other places. But – it, it was just funny. Joe mentioned we've done more interviews. I think we've done more interviews already in this process than we've ever done. Yeah, for sure. And every time we talk to a back, this comes up. We ask the questions. They're like, yeah, this stuff's super important. Yeah. Any of the names of the running back position? I mean, I didn't get to Jerome Ford. Yeah, I like I liked Jerome Ford. The the He does need some he – needs, he needs to prove himself on passing downs a little bit more. But I think as a runner – Inside outside runner, he's really interest. He's a really good player. He's got good contact balance, and he's got a legit second gear. I mean, he's an explosive guy, and he was listed at like two twenty at Cincinnati, and I think he measured at like two oh nine at the Senior Bowl. He was Bowl. one of those guys. He was one of those guys. <laughs> he, you know, he was originally they a weighed him guy. in with his pads on. <laughs> Listen, and I, I, it's weird because you watch him through the lens of thinking, "Wow, this is a bigger running back, right?" And so, like, it's like a I don't know what the word is, but when you find out that you've been bamboozled a little bit, right? You, you like you, you're watching him through the lens of a 220 pound back, and I'm not right. I'm watching a right. sub 210 back, which is, matters a lot. And so I'm like, oh my god, this guy can run, and he's 220. Well, he can still run, but he's just not 220. But I, what I'm trying to say here is, there's a legit home run ability with Jerome Ford. Legit. There's a big play back there in Jerome Ford. Would you have him over Damian Pierce? Really close. That's not what I asked. I know. I love man. You want to talk about a backfield combination? Those two guys together. Probably both there to be had late three, early four. Right, like you said. That, we're, that's we're, where we're in the sweet, right neighborhood. This here. is where the sweet spot is in this yeah. for this group. It always should be. You know, oh, don't get me going. Don't get me going yeah. on running. Anybody backs. have any other names before Joe gets on the <laughs> the soapbox here? I'd ask. I'd ask. One more at the linebacker spot as we get ready to wrap this thing up. Uh, Troy Anderson from Montana State, who kid does a little bit of everything, right? Uh Did a little bit of everything at Montana State. Um, I was blown away at how natural his movements looked at the Senior Bowl. They're in the red zone doing pass coverage stuff, and uh, he he was – Super smooth. So, what do? How do you value a guy that was playing running back and quarterback in college, and then you're now projecting him as a full time role as a linebacker? I think that the upside um, where Troy is concerned, you know, is huge because uh, the the issues that I have with him are. Um, instincts and playing slow and so forth and, and that's something that'll get better uh, once he has more reps playing up playing uh, playing linebacker but he is someone that has three down value um he, he can cover um he, he he's physical um and so um i think he has a tremendous amount of upside if he can get, get better at the instinct component of the football game Joe, let me know if I have this right. He rushed for 1,100 yards in 2018, was a first-team con- first conference quarterback, and then the conference defensive player of the year in 2021. Some, some might call that versatile. <laughs> so how do, you, how, do you, how do you guys – this is more of a philosophical question. Like, when's the right time to draft a kid like this? I would think kind of in that third-round range. Where maybe like if you have a comp pick in the third round, you'd love to use it on Troy Anderson. There's going to be like here's the thing, right? The path to making an impact is there for Troy Anderson because there's going to be packages on defense where you where you're going to want to use him, whether that's maybe just match up and coverage or shoot a gap goal line. You're going to absolutely have him on the field any short yardage type stuff. You know he's going to be great on teams. I mean, he's 240 pounds. He's going to he can run. He's very physical and he's a good tackler. And 
why wouldn't you have some packages for him on offense to get value in, in return? So that's what excites me is I think that there's a it's it's a it's a weird way to get impact, but there's a a way to get impact there that I would if I'm a coach I, I would tap into and find. Anybody else? Any other thoughts on adjustments? We obviously have brought up a number of names. We've made some some tweaks inside and outside top 100, uh, which is good. Uh, kind of scrolling through the guys that we had in the UDFA range, and I don't think there's anybody else that, that's really popping to us as egregious that needs to be adjusted. I do think one guy that popped out of Shrine, but he didn't get a combine invite is the Lenore Ryan kid at wide receiver, yeah. uh, Derek Young. I mean, he's he's got an NFL body for sure. Yep. I think about Kirk Merritt uh, from Arkansas State a few years back, who had unbelievable pro day numbers, um, and he was he's built like him. And Merritt's kind of been lingering around, and he just signed a, an off season contract, futures contract with the Saints, which is his hometown team. So, uh, Derek Young is a player who we we currently have as a UDFA, and we're going to leave him there because he didn't get a combine invite. He's a small school kid and all that kind of stuff, but. That's a name I would have soft circled if I'm doing PD UFAs and I, I want to make sure there's a guy I get into, onto my offseason roster and try and get him into camp after the draft. Like, Joe's talking about betting on trades. This is a great example of that, and it's going to be super low cost relative to investing a draft selection or in drafting, investing a day two draft selection on a guy like Troy Anderson is a different position, right? Like, I mean, you, you give this guy $50,000 for his, his – signing bonus guaranteed and that's going to be a towards the upper echelon of undrafted free agents and if that's enough to get get a kid like this in the building to try and bet on him and see if he can lock him down on a practice squad he'd be worth it in my opinion he, he really physically looks the part that's gonna do it for this update and adjustment um we will let the combine play itself out and then we will right back in these shoes and having all these conversations over again when we get more information on these guys but that's the fun part of the process uh anybody who tuned in uh and, and took a listen we hope you guys enjoyed hearing uh, joe marino dre harris keith sanchez and myself kind of working through uh this draft class and and the perceptions that we are have that are continuing to evolve as we continue to collect more information uh, we're very process oriented people here at the draftnetwork.com and we hope you enjoyed so come on back and and uh take the rest of this journey with us thanks for listening Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.